some nice shutters to put over your house. Actually, yeah, we did. We just pulled them down. Hopefully some shutters actually work and can't just be dismantled in 10 seconds by refreshments. <laughs> refreshments? <laughs> like an apple. Yeah. So, have you had a good week, lads? Not the worst. Not the best. <laughs> Not so bad. <laughs> have you not noticed um, while you're out and about, if you see like blue flowers, do you start to get a bit freaked out? There isn't much fucking. There isn't much out and about these days, is there? Fucking. I'd be happy if I saw a blue flower to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Any kind of flower. I actually saw two separate people posted on my Facebook uh, feed this week that uh, a purge needs to start. Let's start a purge. That's what this is. And are they listeners or? Um... No. No. <laughs> what do you think? What are the odds they've been listeners just... like? <laughs> They're just psychos, are they? Yeah, I mean, they obviously Thanks. haven't watched all the movies, because by three, you're like, nah, one was Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so as usual, I suppose before we get started, I should say that um, this week we're covering the Purge election year. Quite fitting. Yeah, quite quite shit. <laughs> I'm going to have to go against you, man. I really uh, enjoyed this one. <gasps> So the ideal thing, as usual, for the listener, is if they've watched the film recently, so they'll know what we're talking about. Not in your opinion, though. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you like the film, you should probably turn off now, because this isn't going to be pleasant for you. Well, I don't know. I'm going to keep you interested, I'll tell you that much. Okay, so, um, and Tony, what do you think about the film? Dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> So, the film came out in 2016, so it was two years after Anarchy, and it was written and directed by James DeMonaco again, but this is the last one he directed. Sick. That was him again, was it? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't even check that. I, was, I remember watching it thinking it probably wasn't him. Yeah. That was the same for me, Tony. It felt so so much less quality than the last two, I think. Well, there were still some good moments, but... I came out of it thinking someone else must have directed it. And I came out of it thinking that the budget must have been really low for this. Oh, I'd say higher. The whole thing felt... It was the highest of the three, yeah. 
So the first film yeah. was, had a budget of three million. Yeah. The second film had a budget of about nine million, and this one had a budget of ten. Yeah, they have like helicopters. It's so low, though, isn't it? That's such a small budget to make a movie. Mm. With the return they get, it's unbelievable. Look. Yeah. Mm. And so he probably didn't get the return back in this movie, don't we? I think he did. I think this the film did okay. Yeah. But like, I mean, the the first one, like, yeah, per twenty thirteen or whatever it was, enough for the fucking yeah, three movies. That would support the whole franchise for a long time. So it was 109 minutes this time. So six minutes longer than the last one. Yeah. And it was a, about, a, about 100 <laughs> minutes too long. <laughs> so 2016, obviously, this was the um, this was election year in America the last time. Oh, was it? Uh-huh. Yeah. But when is it set? Well, it's set in... I'll tell you when it's set in a second. Okay. Well, I'm discussing when it came out. It was um. Oh, okay. It was actually. It was when it was, it was Trump versus Hillary, uh-huh. and I think we very much kind of see a not a direct comparison between Trump and Hillary, but yeah, yeah, definitely how some people viewed it. I think it's probably what he tried to do in France. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say it definitely had a had a part of it. So the opening scene we get now is in 2022. So this the opening scene is in the same year as the first film, right? So while all that's happening to Cersei and the Bloody Stranger, this is happening um, in Washington, I think. Uh-huh. The rest of the film is set in Washington. It, I don't think it's clear if this definitely is or not. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily, I guess. So instead of like an opening text screen, we don't get that. We get a shot of an iPod dock. So it's 20th, 20th century boy playing by T-Rex is playing on the iPod. And I just made a note that in 2022, they don't seem to have mastered Bluetooth yet. <laughs> like, iPod docks were a thing that they were using back in 2016 before Bluetooth was just everything. Yeah, yeah, they didn't know that, did they? Like, <laughs> <laughs> now, fair enough, maybe this guy who breaks into the house didn't know whether they'd have Bluetooth speakers or not. Maybe he bought his iPod dock just in case. <laughs> you know, it's realistic. Yeah. So, yeah, so we got, like, a really fun rock song playing. And then it moves on to, like, a really funky song as we see the rest of the scene. So it kind of scans around the room. There's bloody weapons on the table. And we get our first instance of the creepy purge mask. So in the first film, it took us 31 minutes to get a purge mask. In the second film, it was 11 minutes. And here, it's under one minute. So they obviously knew what we liked from the old films, and they're just trying to cram it in. (laughs) So, what did you think of the, of his purge mask, Tony? Wasn't as good as the rest of them. I think the purge masks in all of them they weren't as good. He um his voice didn't match who actually imagine he should be. No, it was just so yeah. weird his voice. I made a note of that. I I said he has a kind of weirdly nice voice, like a late night radio DJ, a bit yeah. Terry Wogan style, you know, like very soft but authoritative. Maybe he was a DJ. He was really into the music and that, wasn't he? He was true. Yeah. Why did you like his? Um, why did you? Li- did you like his mask, Liam? Uh, it was. I, I, I don't understand how he could see them. Yeah, there was massive googly eyes over where the eye holes would be. I don't know how he could have saw them. What about the tongue? Just a bit weird, needless. Would have been scarier without yeah. the tongue. Mm. Yeah, just a black mask. It would have been scarier, look, than without the googly eyes as well. So the, the films, they all really go for the kind of juxtaposition. Like with the with the music versus what's happening, yeah. Or like this guy's mask and his appearance, 
as to what's happening, and then his voice is different again. Because mm-hmm. he looks silly, he's doing something awful, but he has a nice voice. And like what I'm what I'm feeling from through this whole film is that what they did well in the other ones, they just did a bit too much in this one. Yeah. So there's a bloodied family, they're tied up and screaming. The creep, the purger creep, is having a great time. He's made a purge playlist, and he said that he's put a lot of thought into it, especially this final tune, as it will be the last one you ever hear. So he said, we played a lot of purge games tonight. So what do you think, what purge games do you think they've been playing? I reckon uh, they, instead of a board game, they have like a Life Like Cluedo, maybe. Life Like? <laughs> Real Life Cluedo. Real Life Cluedo. Yeah, but the um, you know the murderer is just the guy in the purge mask. You know, it's not much of a mystery. <laughs> Everyone has to leave the room. <laughs> You're just trying to work out the room and the weapon, like. Yeah. It was you with the candlestick. Uh, Maybe they were like bobbing for apples and tomato juice because they were covered in this like red. Not blood. <laughs> I suspect it was more like um. You have to cut up and your sister's leg, yeah. or else I'll kill you. <laughs> or maybe worse. And yeah, like what the fuck could a purge game be like? Yeah, sounds like Christmas. It does not sound like Christmas, though. <laughs> maybe, maybe in the Williams household. <laughs> um, how long do you think it's been that he's had them? Do you think this has been like the full kind of twelve hours? It feels like that, doesn't it? Because he said tonight, yeah. which. Kind of indicates that it's coming to the morning. Look, yeah. So again, we're this is in 2022, and presumably they looked well off enough. So presumably they did have security, but it just shows like really that security wasn't much good at all. Yeah. So they they go on to the last purge game of the night. It's mommy's choice. Which one of you will survive this year's purge? And I thought this is kind of like our kind of purge game, you know, like um, you know, would you rather your daughter <laughs> die or your son die? Or your husband or yourself survive, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, anyway, the screen goes black, and we get a, te- a text screen, finally. 18 years later, so we're in 2040 now. It's two days before the annual purge. There's riots in Washington, D.C., and it's not. we're not in L.A. anymore, obviously. So we're in a- L.A. for the first two films. We've left it behind. We're in the capital. Spreading our wings. <laughs> we're all grown up, lads. <laughs> so, um, the bloody stranger is on the news. Yeah, I miss him every time he comes on. <laughs> you didn't notice him in this one? No, didn't catch him again. <laughs> uh, so, his name is Dante Bishop, <laughs> and he is about the third main character in this film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the main. It's, so, it's the leader of the... Yeah, missed him again. So yeah, it says Dante Bishop, a purge detractor. And you know what? He hasn't aged a day. No. In 18 years, he looks almost the exact same. It's impressive. It's impressive. I don't know. I couldn't tell you what he looks like, to be honest. I'm obviously not taking him in properly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So it's clear that now... Like, a lot of people know about the real reason behind the purge. It's to keep the poor population down, less health care, less housing. And then the presidential election is mentioned. So they, they refer to our next character as a wildcard independent candidate. Her name's Charlie Rowan. And we find out that she was mommy's choice. She got to live out the night. Yeah. 
did well for herself, like, you know. Yeah. Mommy made a good choice. She did make a good choice, yeah. <laughs> so, um, it said that she is the first real threat that the NFFA have had. So this is... 25 years after they took power. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And the first threat they've had. So the NFFA guys are watching the news on a really... I thought it was a really weird TV screen. And I was like, it's in portrait. It looks like a mirror should be there or something. <laughs> and uh, did you notice that when it went away, it was a painting of George Washington, I think. Uh-huh. I didn't know yeah, so TV was also a painting. Pretty cool. Futuristic. <laughs> no iPod docks in this office, lad. All Bluetooth. Yeah. Um, the main NFFA guy calls Charlie a cunt. Yeah. It's a bit mean. Like, it was a bit of a shock as well. Yeah. Uh, he curses quite a bit in this scene. Mm-hmm. That's how you know he's a baddie. Mm. Yeah. Good guys don't use that kind of language. But he says there's, there's not enough of like everything to go around, he said. And they they need to use this year's purge to do some spring cleaning. So, Tony, did you think they were going to get, like, uh, maybe illegal workers in to do their attic? <laughs> That's what I thought, yeah. I thought they'd get the buffers out, you know, buff the floors a bit. <laughs> so there's a political debate. And obviously we've seen some of these lately in real life. Um, so there's Charity and the other candidate who's, I think he's called the minister. So yeah. the minister says that he will be at his midnight purge mass. Charlie asks him if murder is the new religion. Um, he's not impressed with that. Very catchy. <laughs> yeah. He says that's catchy. Um, tensions are high between them. The crowd seem to be kind of on side with the NFFA. And then we see Charlie's head of security. And Tony, did you recognize this person? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Except he has a name in this one, though, no? Yeah, Sergeant's back, and now he's called Leo. And it did not take him long to get his name in there, did it? No, no. Yeah, they were like, he has a name this time, lads. Yeah. Um, so he is aged a bit, but he still doesn't look like he's aged 18 years from the last one. Just looks a bit skinnier. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. He looks like he probably would be in mid-30s. In the first movie? Yeah, he doesn't look or in like... The, well, in Anarchy. Oh, yeah. He doesn't look like he's in his 50s now. No. No chance. So it's like it's like with the bloody stranger, they didn't even bother trying to age him. And with Leo, they aged him a little bit. But you really wonder why they messed the timeline so much. Yeah, well I mean they must have known what they were doing, like But did they? Because it's it's like it's wrong, like it, I think it they feels want people to weird. recognize them though, you know what I mean? No, I know, but why didn't they say that this happened to her family on the first purge and then eighteen years wouldn't be such a stretch? Do you know why did they make it? 2022 when her family got murdered if they yeah. wanted do you know what i mean or why didn't they make her older and make it less time or Cause that's it yeah i mean we i've been focusing on leo and the bloody stranger but she is quite young looking yeah yeah 18 years out and she was she looked like she was a teenager in that opening scene yeah i don't know it, it just baffled me why they didn't just make the timeline cleaner yeah it was a bit, a bit muddy the nice the little uh easter eggs are but they're out of date. <laughs> They've got all kind of white. <laughs> so our girl, Charlie, the senator, gets the crowd on side. And she walks through the crowd. She's shaking hands. And if you notice, there's like a big spotlight on her. And kind of like a bit bit of angelic music playing. So th there's this whole kind of theme going through that she's quite like Christ-like in this film. Yeah. Most of the time she's there, there's a bright light on her. Yeah, yeah. And she's always like being so kind to people when they're injured. And it just seems so heavy handed to me. 
the religious part of this film. Yeah. Well, it's supposed to be, isn't it? It's never yeah. become a proper religion. So. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, it has become a religious thing. Like, they want to just show that fucking religion will always fucking mm-hmm. do damage as well. So, Leo is like, he's all business. He's getting his guys to protect her. And the other candidate is just like pumping his fist and saying, Purge and purify! Purge and purify! <coughs> he's loving it's it. Catchy. It's fucking catchy. Have you caught yourself saying that since you watched the movie? I was on the tram this morning. Purge and purify. <laughs> <laughs> I just call it PP. <laughs> PP. Not P plus P. PP. PP. It's like you know when you're um when you're at a party and you're like a bit too drunk and you're not really enjoying yourself anymore. So you just like make yourself get sick and then you're like purge and purify and it's ready to party again. <laughs> purge and party. Exactly. Purge, purify, and party. Virgin is party. And then you go back on the shots. <laughs> so we move on to Joe's Deli, where they're watching a news report of the debate the next day. So again, we've got like TV screens are a big part of this film, just like the last two. Mm-hmm. Um, there's four characters in the in the scene. There's a shop owner, Joe, his employee, Marcos, um, a young woman called Lainey, and an old man called Irish Eye. <laughs> Waffles and pussy, baby. Waffles and pussy. Waffles and pussy. Uh, why do you think he's called Irish Eye? Because he's always smiling. Oh. That's what I imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought maybe he's just from fucking Dundalk, you know? <laughs> Waffles and pussy. <laughs> so, apart from Mar- Marcos, they're all black. And another thing about this film that I think the films did quite well before, and I think they're doing too heavy-handed now, is that... Um, so it's obviously that the films are very much like poor versus rich, but they're also black versus white. You know, it's kind of the downtrodden are always the bloody stranger, Carmelo. I think they're white versus everybody. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, obviously there's like some crossovers. It's not completely black and white, but, you know, it's literally like most of the poor people we meet in all the films are black. Yeah. Or Hispanic. Yeah. The black guys, are the black people are the good guys. But it's portraying a bit of a stereotype that they're generally poor. Yeah, you don't see any, like, wealthy black people purging, look. In the first film, um, there was one one of their neighbours was black. So there are some. Uh-huh. But, yeah, it's very few. And, again, with all the black people always being good in the films, it's kind of like, um, obviously, we're no race experts here. But just from my eyes, it's kind of like, um, you know, positive stereotyping. Do you know, like... um. Black people are always good. Yeah, yeah. And in a way, that's still problematic. That like you're, they're all black people shouldn't always be anything, you know. Yep. They're just people in that. So Joe was saying that um, Charlie doesn't have a chance of winning, even though he does agree with her policies. And Lainey thinks that she's full of shit. Marcos thinks that she's going to win and she's going to make some real changes. Marcos is a big Charlie fan. Yeah. Just gotta get Florida. Just gotta get Florida. <laughs> that was ridiculous. Please. I'll come. On, I'll come on to that. Yeah. Um. So the shop owner, Joe, and uh, Marcos have a bit of a fun relationship. They're taking the piss out of each other. Teasing each other. You can't even butter a bagel. I'll butter your bagel. And (laughs) I was just wondering, lads. It sounded so sexual. (laughs) Were you expecting a bit of a love story between them? Yeah, I thought there was going to be a bit of kissing. A bit of bagel buttering. (laughs) Tony saw that as a promise and he was excited. He was like, this is the best film ever. No. But did anyone... Not the deli kind. Does, <laughs> does anyone know who Joe is? 
Pet Bubba Gump. Bubba Gump? No Bubba Gump. way. Yeah. Without his fucking underbite, that's Bubba Gump. Oh, which one's Joe then? Joe's that guy. That guy. Yeah. That yeah. guy. Yeah. That is not Bubba Gump. That's Bubba Gump? No. Look it up. No way. No way. Yeah. Why has why this acting got so much worse? That's what I want to ask. <laughs> he's probably the best part of the movie, to be honest. Oh, man, he says some outrageous stuff. Outrageous. I haven't... I haven't made a note of nearly everything he said because uh, I don't want to say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know what? Like, we know the ethnicity of the guy the movie is written by. Wrote all those lines. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's a, <laughs> <laughs> That's actually very true. His creepy little brain. Oh, man. Oh, shit, that's, that's uh, what's that called? Artistic license. <laughs> Definitely should have should have put in a little cameo of some sort of shrimp or something. Oh my! She's throwing shrimp at me, something yeah. like that. Like put back the shrimp. <laughs> so it's important to note here that the deli is in the same bright light as the diner was in the last film. Yeah. So it's coming in the window. It's really bright, and it makes everything feel like surreal. Mm-hmm. And really uneasy. So now it's March the twentieth, and it's one day before the purge, and. Did you notice that in the so in the first two films, the way we're shown the purge coming up is like people looking at the clock at dinner, them announcing on the TV or the radio, you know, like but not announcing it like the DJ would just be like, and we're three hours until the purge. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this film, it just seemed lazy. It's just like here's a tech screen. It is, you know, we could we couldn't be arsed working it into into the narrative somehow to tell you how long it is till the purge. They're probably sick of doing the same kind of narrative, you know. They want to change it up a bit. Yeah, that's fair enough, I think. I think it's shit. So, on the news, it's announced that no one is exempt from the purge rules. So, the rules protecting level 10 government employees have been revoked. And they're making out like it's to make things more fair. Like, as if they've listened to all the criticisms of the purge, that it's there to benefit the wealthy. And they're like, we're not going to let it benefit the wealthy anymore. Conveniently, we're going to make it so our only opposer in many years is um is not exempt from murder now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's handy. Um, so Leo makes plans to make a safe house, but Charlie wants to stay home like ninety nine percent of the population. She said she'll lose votes if she's seen going into hiding, so she tells Leo to make it safe. Yeah. So I don't know how true that is. Like losing votes to hide. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She's trying to stop the purge anyway. Kind of stupid. You're kind of setting yourself up for the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it's one of those things like, even if Donald Trump now went into hiding for something, even his biggest detractors, I don't think, would complain about that. You know? He did do it recently. When he went to the hospital? When the riots were happening, he went to the panic room. Yeah, and no, no one would blame him for going no. to the safe house, I don't think. Even people who hate him. Because why wouldn't you? Like, it's just... Yeah, that yeah. did that did seem like she's just trying to be too good, you know. He denied it, but yeah, yeah. it's quite funny. Quite a funny denial. He just needed a tour, is what he said. <laughs> it was the best tour ever. Mm. <laughs> so we are ten minutes and twenty five seconds into this film before we get a jump scare. Yeah. So we've we've got a similar scene to when Eva is walking down the road last year, and they say that any pain. A lot of scenes are recycled in this film. That's what I feel like. So we've got a similar kind of scene where she's walking down the street and someone selling masks this time jumps out on her. But then we see the difference in Eva and Lainey because Lainey is just like listening to music. Guy jumps out. She's not scared. She just pushes him out of the way. She's fucking badass. 
So we know, yeah, she's she is a badass bitch. So next we see the murder tourists. Oh, yeah. And it's said that it's a booming business. <laughs> no pun intended, yeah. <laughs> so when we always would have thought, like, surely the Americans all just drive up to Canada for the purge. It turns out that people are coming into America to get involved. What year do you think this would have started if the purge started around 2017? Do you think this is something in the, like after 2030 it happens, or do you think it's happening from the start? Probably not from the start, but it would start happening pretty quickly once it once it catches a bit of what's the word? Momentum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking South Africans. Because <laughs> obviously the the people the people who are the murder tourists here, this is 2040. They're in their like 20s, so presumably they were born in 2015. So maybe they're a bit different to us. Maybe they have different different breed. Yeah, they yeah. don't. They don't really know the world without it. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, maybe it's possible. It just se- seemed a bit weird. Yeah, but it, it also seems realistic though, because people are fucking insane. Yeah, we yeah. Be brainwashed to believe that then. Yeah, and something like not knowing is uh, something that makes it more attractive, I suppose. Yeah. So, <clears throat> just seeing it on TV and being buttered up and stuff like the bagels. Exactly, <laughs> the buttery bagel. <laughs> So um, we're back in Joe's Deli, the buttery bagels, and there's like a horrible schoolgirl. Like fucking vile. So this horrible schoolgirl is spanking her friend with a fly swatter and she does the kind of Miley Cyrus tongue out thing, you know, like this. (laughs) (laughs) Are you showing that to the microphone? Like we couldn't see that. Yeah, because I wasn't actually, I was trying to make the noise that it would sound like for the people at home listening because I know they can't see the tongue. Wouldn't wouldn't make that noise. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> no. <laughs> so these girls randomly start slapping some hanging bags of sweets, but they don't knock them over. So we're just slapping them like slapping them. Just get <laughs> that flavour out, you know. <laughs> bags of sweets. I can't eat a bag of sweets unless I had a good slap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we get we get loads of product placement here. So after the catch up in the first film, and I didn't really notice much product placement in the second film at all. And here, it's all over the places. Big Pepsi fridges. And uh, one thing I noticed, in the fridges, the Red Bull is only one row deep. And I think that must have been the day that the budget ran out. <laughs> they were like, you got to fill this fridge with Red Bull. Sorry, we spent the last few dollars. I, I actually think it's uh, strategically placed. Because I think Joe is like, no, Red Bull's bad for the kids. He's all about helping out the kids, making sure they're living a clean life. Oh, so you think he only put one row there just so... Yeah, he's just like, oh, look, we won't order any more Red Bull. We'll get rid of what we have, and then we won't be ordering it again. Thank you very much, Red Bull. Bad for kids. Yeah, he's going to get Monster instead. They ain't got a better deal as well. Same text. Do, do you know what I think? Now, I don't know about you, you guys, but my eyes were instantly drawn to that Red Bull with the big white space behind it. So I think that was probably Red Bull cleverly leaving that space. So we'll talk about it on our podcast. Like, well, how many Red Bulls have you drank since? Zero. I don't drink Red Bull, really. Oh. Taking Joe's advice over here. <laughs> Good boys. So now the girls start dropping stuff. And uh, the, the the more horrible one steals a chocolate bar. And Joe confronts them. So she says that she's going to scream rape if he touches her. But Lainey comes to help. The girls recognize her. And apparently she's their hero. Um, so it seems like she used to be horrible just like that, which like instantly makes me like her a lot less that she was anything like that. Well, no, she was never like them. Doesn't really say what she was like. No. But Joe says just a minute after that she was a lot more polite than they ever were. But yeah, that little girl's acting is atrocious. 
in that scene. Her acting was atrocious in the whole film. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah. I think she she's the one character that made it feel like a really cheesy horror almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is that that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. Her and her friend, to be fair, her friend was pretty bad in the later scenes. Mm-hmm. Now I know not everyone thinks these movies are classics like I do. <laughs> the actors are of a certain kind of standard, you know? Like in the first film we had two famous actors as the two like parents. You know, we've had pretty good actors. Like, the girl who played Callie was really good. She played that character really well. And in this film, there's a lot of cheesy acting, I think. And this this horrible teenager girl, she is the worst by far. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, I think, I think I'd have a lot less of a problem if she wasn't in this film. Uh-huh. So, um, Lainey makes him give back the chocolate bar. And Joe reminisces about when Lainey used to shoplift there. So, it seems like Joe set her straight. Yeah. Like all the other kids with the Red Bull. Leo is all business getting Charlie's house secure. Um, so Leo has a safe room for Charlie that she has to stay in. And he's like barking orders. And uh, he's speaking to, I think it's Charlie's chief of staff. We go back to Joe's diner and Dante is on the news again. So he, another bloody stranger spotting, Tony. <laughs> they confirm that his predecessor was Carmelo John. So he's taken over from Carmelo. Does that mean Carmelo has probably died in the time in between surely like he was pretty old in the anarchy so do you know he wouldn't have survived that many purges without being shot or just i don't know i'm surprised that like bloody stranger met at that farm john he's gone yeah, out well, every purge fucking we, fighting like we saw in the first film do you know it's a reverse psychology isn't it <laughs> yeah, go shoot me then just shoot me in the head then i'd love if you shot me come on kill me will you come on <laughs> Man, I, I bet you'd hate to be shot, wouldn't you? I bet you'd hate to be shot. Oh, okay, let's shoot. Um, so Joe gets called from an insurance company, and this is also some terrible acting. Oh, my God. What? That's outrageous. Hi? Hi? Is, is this the insurance company? Have you put up my prices? Um, <laughs> is this scene here to show that the insurance company have put up my prices? And also to remind everyone that tomorrow's a purge, so it's probably the insurance, the purge insurance. <laughs> so they put up the price by thousands. He can't afford it, and he's going to lose his deli. He sure can't afford it. So he decides he's going to protect it himself. And Lainey and Marco are like, you know, they're people with brains, so they're saying don't. And uh, we find out that Lainey does something dangerous on Purge Night. But it's at this point, guys, that I'm going to ask you your would-you-rather of the episode. Would you rather keep yourself safe on Purge Night and assume your shop would be okay like literally every other shop on the street. Or risk your life by guarding it from the roof. Yeah, this was... I think this is actually one of my most biased would-you-rathers. <laughs> yeah, he's just trying to keep it safe, like. What, what would you do if you if you couldn't afford your, your shop insurance? And it, it doesn't seem like every shop gets broken into every purge night, you know? Yeah, but he just doesn't want to risk. He just wants to sit there quietly if he hears something. That's the point. But it doesn't make any sense, like, like, oh, it doesn't make any sense. The shop, like, would have been grand, because... Yeah, by well, any other later, year would have. Even what happens later, do you know, probably wouldn't have happened if he wasn't standing up there antagonising them. Like, oh, it yeah. definitely would have happened. They were coming, they stopped and were coming for the shop, like... But they didn't try and get in before she looked up. She looked up straight away, saw them, and then she was like... She had seen him, but she, they probably were gonna, because that's the girl from the chocolate bar. That's, that's the idea there. 
I know, but... They were going to break in and rob it, but it would have cost a few thousand to fix it up, probably. You know, it would have... You never know. Risking your whole them. stupid you life. Know, like, but not even risking your life. Yeah. Knowing you're going to have to take other people's life for the sake of a couple of grand, like... Do you know when it's not in his nature, like... And the point... Well, he used to be a bad boy. We find that out. Yeah. But... Um, in another really tacky scene. But... He he doesn't know that girl's coming back for him, you know? He doesn't think that. So, like... No. The fact that she does come back would change things a little bit. But, like, does he, are we? Is it implied that his shop gets broken into every year and the purge insurance pays out every year? You know, like, they wouldn't do that. Like, they wouldn't insure people if they had to pay it out every single year. Yeah, is that why it's gone up? Because they knew that, that girl called and said, I'm coming <laughs> from... It keeps happening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's like, what? I'm supposed to pay you 500 a year and you pay me 15 grand to refit the shop every year. And they're like, okay, but we're not we're not covering the Red Bull budget this time. <laughs> no. Like, so what would you rather? I'd stay at home. Yeah. I'd roof it. Kind of be out there. Would you roof it and, and make such a big deal or would you kind of hide? I'd hide until the something second happened? I came near my, uh, my shop and I'd, I'd ask them politely to leave. It would throw them that Throw her that chocolate bar she was looking for. <laughs> so, Tony said that he, just like Joe, he'd be up there with his gun, cracking a couple of cold ones open. And Liam has said that he would rather just stay home and stay safe. But don't even bother letting us know what you would rather over on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs> I think my pod. Because I assume everyone's going to agree with Liam. Not at all. Not necessarily. Back to the review. So it's purge night and it's 12 minutes until the purge. So again, just they just tell us on the screen. We don't hear it. We don't. Um, it's not worked into the world itself. Security is outside Charlie's house. Leo's watching the cameras. We're back at Joe's diner. He locks up and goes up to the roof with guns. We go to Lainey and she's getting collected by an armored van with a cross on the front. We're back with Leo and Charlie and they're with Charlie's chief of staff in her safe room. And they put down the barricades two seconds before the announcement comes on. Yeah, yeah. If he's such a security expert, why were those shutters not down at least an hour before? Doesn't make any sense. None of it does. You do it hours before and you check the house still every half an hour just in case. Yeah. So we get a, a different announcement. It's red now and no one has immunity. So they've had to re-record the message and we get our beautiful siren still luckily so leo's watching the cameras charlie invites him in for a drink Ooh. <laughs> um, and that's that's basically the reaction that the other security guard has <laughs> he's like Ooh. so the lights in the safe room are really bright so again it's kind of like throwing an angelic look onto charlie she asks leo why he applied for the position and he tells her the entire plot of Purge Anarchy. <laughs> well, no, but he, he tells her that, um, he tells her the ending of Purge Anarchy. So Leo doesn't like that she takes risks and she says the only way to win is to risk everything. Fair shout, Luke. We go back to the triage van and we get another jump scare. Uh, so there's a guy with a slit throat. He's there looking for help and then as we're looking at him, he gets an arrow on the head and we get a, we get a lot of the kind of old-timey weapons in this film. So there's there's like a I don't know 16th century guillotine in an alleyway with like a really bright light above it. Yeah, that's just so bizarre, so weird. Maybe they're getting across that by 2040, people are really stepping up their creativity. 
with their elaborate fucking weapons, like. All it said to me is, it's just, we just want to shock you. Do you know, like, we're just going to put in these crazy things just to shock you. Like, this film went a lot further from realistic what people might do to each other. Like, by stabbing, beating, burning. And more to, like, just, like, ridiculous stuff. So people tied to the bonnet of a car. Yeah. And the people in the car are, like, swinging maces. Swinging a mace, that's hilarious. What are you going to do with that like Mad Max. Yeah. Yeah, it is Mad Max, yeah. And uh, so then we're at the kind of, the, like, Lincoln statue that's at the end of Planet of the Apes. <laughs> the uh, the reboot. And um, Purge is written in paint or blood on all the pillars. And there's fire and wreckage. And they're, like, really, they're really getting into it this year. So Lainey stops to help someone who's been injured. And we go back to the deli. So M- Marcos has come to keep Joe company. Joe doesn't want Marcos to risk his life, but Marcos won't leave him. Uh, and then, just the worst thing in the whole film, a car covered in Christmas lights swerves down the road, and it's the schoolgirls, and Party in the USA by Miley Cyrus is blasting. All the Miley Cyrus. Again, like, you know, a song that's like 25 years old. Like Yeah. <laughs> it's just, she loves Miley Cyrus, this one. Yeah. Um. So they're... It's like they're playing slutty dress-up. They're in, like, lingerie and corsets, but they're covered in blood, and it's um, it's really tacky and silly. That's exactly what made it feel like, uh, like a really tacky horror movie, like a Rob Zombie movie or something. So Joe shoots at their feet, and she says, I want my candy bar. So Marco shoots her in the ear, and then she says, the worst line of the whole film. I already took care of my mom and dad tonight, and you're next. Like, what? She ki- she murdered her parents? Yeah. And they wouldn't give her money for her chocolate bar. And the way she said it, like, I already took care of them. Unfortunately, I've seen this film three times now, at least. And I cringe so hard at that every time. Mm. Sure, she didn't just uh, put her put them to bed like they're sick. I already took care of them. I made them hot chocolate. <laughs> and you're next. <laughs> I'm going to use a candy bar. <laughs> And the gold AKs as well. Yeah. So um, after Marco shoots her in the ear, they get in the car and they go off again. And Joe and Marcos crack a couple of cold ones open. So definitely something's brewing between those two. <laughs> We're back at Charlie's house. And the chief of staff is messing with the security cameras. And they text someone. Uh, Leo comes in and they all leave. Well, the two of them leave. And everything looks okay on the cameras. Charlie is looking at a photo of her family. And did you notice that she has the exact same style of glasses as she did then? She has these big, black, chunky-rimmed glasses <laughs> that don't really suit her. And, like, she was wearing them back in 2022, and she's wearing them in 2040. As if, like, look, look at the picture. That's her. That's her still. You know, the security outside are shot by guys in SWAT gear. So underdressed for outdoor security. Right? Like, just suits. <clears throat> look, just suits. No head protection. No fucking... Yeah. Terrifying. They're top security, you know. <laughs> yeah. So the dodgy security guard, um, he lets all the SWAT guys in. Leo then realizes that the CCTV is on a loop. He stops a loop and sees that everyone's dead outside. So that was kind of a cool scene where he stops it and suddenly the lad who was giving him a thumbs up is just dead on the ground. Yeah. Leo gives Charlie a bulletproof vest and opens a trap door on the floor. 
And this isn't the first time he's given up his bulletproof vest, is it? So this seems to be a thing that Leo likes to do. He, he likes to give away his protection. It wasn't even his, though, was it? He wasn't wearing a bulletproof vest. It was just one in the room. Yeah. He probably should have been wearing one. Yeah. So they get out of the house. And Leo kills a guy with a kind of like a knife in between his fingers. That was cool. Yeah. What do you think of that weapon? It's a cool weapon, to be fair. Yeah. yeah. It's like because you have to use it a lot of times for someone to die. Like you know, because it's only like an inch or an inch and a half long, so you need multiple stab wounds for death. Like Liam, you're speaking from experience here, are you? Well, no, I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the SWAT guys takes off his helmet inside the safe room, and he has Nazi tattoos all over his head and face. Very subtle. Confederate flag. Yeah, two of them. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, because he was American-like, so he was an American Nazi. I didn't even really notice there were Nazi tattoos. I just noticed there were yeah, a spiderweb thing. Is, a, is it? Oh, he had a, at least one swastika tattooed in his neck. No, he did not. He did. Oh, I was oh, looking he did. for him and I couldn't see them. A ah. spiderweb thing is a thing as well. Is it? On your elbow or on your head. Rhino has one of them on his elbow. Loads of people have spiderwebs that I know. But that's what that means. But I don't think they even know they mean that, you know what I mean? But that is what they mean, like, since... Yeah, like I just have a tear, tear drop next to my eye. What does that mean? It just means that I cry a lot. It means you're a fan of Banksy. True. True words. Um, yeah, so they see Leo and Charlie out the window and they shoot. And Leo, the tactical genius, shoots back for a minute. And then he's like, oh, yeah, I, I had a bomb in there. And so he sets it off with his phone. <laughs> yeah. But he shot back for he shot for a bit first and got himself hit. Yeah. Lainey pulls up outside Joe's deli and chats to the lads on the roof. So she's um she's out there. It's like an ambulance helping people out. Leo and Charlie are on the run. Leo's bleeding, and he says they need to get out of the city. And then the the purge victim removal and disposal passes. So like just this van drive, this truck driving around picking up bodies, and like just do it in the morning. Why are you out there doing it now? So you get paid for it. Who's asking you to collect bodies now? More organised now, you know. Driving around, making noise, not even being in the vehicle, like standing on the back of it does not seem to me like the way to survive Purge Night. Yeah, but they might just get a pass from people that might be like an unwritten rule that you don't kill yeah. these guys. Like. Well, there's an unwritten rule that you don't attack triage vans, but we see that getting broken tonight. Well, not really, but go ahead. So there's a drone following um, Leo and Charlie. Somehow the Nazi has survived the bomb and he's fine. Well, he left the room, didn't he? He had left the room, yeah, he left. Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. I thought he was just, like, invincible. So they need to capture, they need to capture Charlie alive to be able to get paid. And they see they need to find her before the crazies do. Yeah. So Leo shoots the drone. They're passing some dead bodies, but it turns out that they weren't dead at all. Sneaky Russians. <laughs> This is like like Chekhov's gun. We have Chekhov's murder tourists. We saw them in the start, and now we have to see them again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they're they're attacking Charlie and Leo, and they're all in like really American costumes. Mm-hmm. So like dressed up as Washington and Statue of Liberty, yeah. and they they taser them. So we go back to the deli, and Joe is talking about how he wants to make Marcos his partner. Um, and the mur- murder tourists happen to drag Charlie and Leo down the road just so that they're in Joe and Marcos's line of vision. Yeah. Um, so Joe and Marcos save them, and then they they realize, or they might have realized before that it's a senator, so they bring them into the shop. Yeah, I think Marcos saw Marcos with his binoculars. Saw his binoculars. Yeah. What What did you see with your elf eyes, Marcos? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Charlie has been really friendly with Joe and Marcos. Uh, Marcos says that Florida is the key. She wouldn't have known that, would she? No, she wouldn't. No, have no politician would not ask. No, no, she wouldn't have a clue. Mm. 
Um, so Leo is scoping out the shot. He said it's moderately secure. Yeah, got cameras. Marcos performs first aid on Leo, while Leo quizzes the two of them on who they are. And the Christmas light car pulls up again with an exact replica Christmas light car. <laughs> so now there's two of them, exactly the same. But that's why they were. They were off uh, decorating another car. <laughs> There was a lot of little digs between uh, Joe and Leo, wasn't there? There was, yeah. It was really tense between them. Mm-hmm. That's what friends do, you know. <laughs> uh, so now there's twice as many girls in fancy dress, and they have weapons this time. Well, more weapons. Um, the girl really wants her candy bar. And this is just where, where I made a note that Tony's already said, but they were really over overacting, and she is the thing that ruins a film. The, like these girls make it really campy, like sixties Batman, just silly, like Yeah. I know they do, but also they're just supposed to be the most hateable people ever. Yeah. yeah, but like if you look in the first one when they're all standing aside and they're doing a little dance and it's a lot more eerier. But in this one yeah. it's just yeah, that's cheesy. True. But I suppose they couldn't just do that again, could they? I know, but they tried to modernise it but it just didn't work. Yeah. I think what they did is they the first two films, what was so great about them is like they were so different. Like they didn't just do what you expected an action film to do. And in this film, I feel like they a lot of the time they were just doing what you expect an action film to do. Maybe so, but I looked at it a bit different. I thought like you know the girls outside. You know it was like they had seen people purge and they'd heard all these stories of people being crazy and weird and creepy, and they were trying to replicate it, but they couldn't because it wasn't just them. You know what I mean? That's how I saw it. Like, yeah. I thought it was well done, to be honest. I thought, like, oh, they're a lot less likable than the creeps outside the first movie. Yeah. So you think, what do you think is just the standards of purgers have gone down? Yeah, exactly. It's become a kind of a comedy or it's become a kind of a... Like Halloween. Like, yeah, like it is more for the show of it than the actual, what they thought it was for. Like, pantomime of the whole thing. Joe is trying to call Lainey. But Lainey is uh, busy saving someone's life. Leo makes a plan to protect themselves. Leo is some man for his plans. Him and Joe are sniping at each other constantly. And the purge bitches are breaking in with an angle grinder. And they're still nobbing on about the candy bar. Yeah. So, like, do you think they have experience with power tools? Because they seem to be doing pretty well with the angle grinder. Well, they couldn't fucking start the thing. That pissed me off. And her song that she sang is awful. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty... I tried to pluck that out of my memory. So the the two purge bitches are doing a dosey do in the street. Ah. And Lainey runs them over. It was a bit satisfying. The one goes so far, like. So she she shoots the other two who have the have the saws, and joins the rest of the gang in the deli. People are trying to break into the back of the deli, and Joe oh, doesn't want to. You missed. You skipped the the best bit. Mm, that is Front. the best bit where she shoots. Her where in she face. shoots to her in the face. That's why you see she's a badass. She turns around after shooting her and just clocks it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the whole thing was stupid. I thought was everything probably was probably one of the best parts of the movie, to be honest with myself. Yeah, the way her fucking that, head goes back. Just perfect. that part. Because, like, all you want from the second you see that bitch is for her to be killed. Mm. Yeah. Like, it's the most satisfying part. Well, one of them. Michael's not a fan, but he hates the movie, so... No. So, Joe doesn't want to leave, but Marcos said that they will rebuild it together. I mean, they are seriously in love, those two. <laughs> Cute. Um, the Nazis are in a helicopter now, why not? Um, 
Well, they have all the resources. So we see a scene uh, that's a bit like the creepy people from the first Purge film, where people in white are hanging from a tree, and other people in like flowy white dresses are dancing and spinning around. That was very like the first movie, wasn't it? Yeah. Even the same kind of music, the kind of lullaby. And so the gang are in the back of the triage van. There's a really bright light in the triage van shining on Charlie because she's an angel. Remember that. But yeah, it really feels like the light is just following Charlie everywhere. Yeah. Um, the triage van is attacked by the Nazi helicopter. We see uh, some... Fuck's sake. We see these guys standing in a circle uh, watching bare-chested men fight with axes and swords. Medieval style, yeah. Um, Leo realizes that the bullet could be tracked, so he removes it. And suddenly the van is surrounded by these guys. Joe does a fucking crip whistle. It's just ridiculous, bro. <laughs> so they're banging on they're banging on the van, and Joe does a crip whistle, and they stop banging. And one of them says, "I know what I heard," and suddenly they're all cool. They're like friends now. And uh, Leo makes a deal that if they help one of the friends who's been hurt, probably like caught with a fucking axe that they'll do something for him so some nazis follow the bullet and find it on the ground and then they turn around they're killed by the crips so the gang arrive at the triage center it's an underground car park and they call it a safe zone uh there's wounded people there and homeless people we see dante the bloody stranger again tony did you notice him this time uh nope (laughs) the whole movie i didn't know he was in it I'm just going to tell you he's in everything we ever watch from now on. Like, <laughs> we're watching Sesame Street. Tony, did you did you remember the bloody stranger in that? <laughs> he was in a bin this time. Um, so, like in Anarchy, when they were at the friend's apartment, this feels like it was a, a nice, happy ending. But lol, JK, because they need to make some more trouble. So, Charlie tells Dante that she doesn't agree with her method. I assume she means like an anarchy where they kill loads of people. Sergeant and the bloody stranger have a little interaction. I mean, Leo and Dante. They both have names now. But do you think that Leo recognizes Dante as the guy that saved him 17 years ago? Nah, they don't seem to acknowledge each other at all. Like. No, they, they do speak twice. Later on they do. But only from the earlier meeting. Yeah, not like... true, yeah, yeah. Leo sees someone go through a door, and that makes him really suspicious for some reason. Yeah, like, why would he be suspicious of that room? Like, suspicious of everything. Yeah, but come on, they're so needless. They should have, they should have made it something more suspicious. Like, you know, they had the, you know, like they were carrying guns, but they were all carrying guns. Yeah. They were trying to keep safe. Like they had such an opportunity there to make it. Like, you know, they downplay certain stuff and they overplay other stuff, and it's just like none of yeah. it really makes sense. So. But I said I like this movie before we started the review. <laughs> You're turning me off. Go on. So Lainey agrees to give Joe and Marcos a lift back to the deli for fuck's sake. Like why? Ugh. Stay. Like you know they, they were breaking in when you left. Yeah. It's not going to be good when you get back. No. Uh, Leo goes into the suspicious room and beats up the guys to try and stop him. Um, I, I made note that the guy with the red T-shirt was called Red. <laughs> <laughs> also um just a note uh like dante's kind of second in command guy is called angel yeah which is interesting um so the fight cools off and charlie and leo see that dante's guys have a plan to go to the purge mass and kill the nffa minister yeah charlie doesn't want her presidency to be built on murder and she thinks the minister may become a martyr if he's killed but she just said that she always takes risks and now she wants the bad guy to be saved so that, well, like, 
I think that's a flimsy reason to try and stop no, the I don't assassination. Think so at all. I think that's a fair I point. Think, I think that I think that's completely exactly why she doesn't want that to happen. I think that makes sense. Yeah, I think that is a fair point. I think I'm uh, I'm watching this film with like shit tinted glasses, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so Joe, Marcos, and Laney are having a good old laugh, and they see government trucks just like Big Daddy's headed towards the safe zone. So they turn around. Charlie tells Angel to cancel the assassination, and he's having none of it. Leo and Charlie see the army arrive on the cameras. They agree to meet Laney at the other end of the tunnel. There's a big panic in the safe zone, and Angel tells Leo and Charlie to stay safe. And I, was this the first time we heard stay safe in the whole film? Uh, I don't know. Maybe. It, it didn't seem to be said as much as it was before. No, definitely no, not. it wasn't at all. So Charlie says to Leo, I can't believe we're outside again. <laughs> I feel like she was saying that to the audience yeah. as well. Like, I can't believe we're outside again. Um, and for Leo, this is standard. He's used to getting in somewhere safe and then heading out again. And then the booby trap that they set off. Oh, the big swinging I blade. Actually, I love these guys. I think it's hilarious. They just stand there laughing. Yeah. Doing anything about they don't really oh, care. Like, so, oh, so close. So close. <laughs> Charlie and Leo time it to run past the blade. Mm-hmm. Even though the blade was swinging about four feet off the ground. Still take your head off it. They could have just crawled. No, I mean, if you crawl under it. Like... Oh, yeah. It was so far off the ground. <laughs> yeah, it's actually very true. One of the, like, not tacky scenes, I think, was next, where the woman was sitting on a chair with someone at her feet on fire yeah. as she sang softly. That was nice. Kind of made sense. Why did it make sense? Um, what? You not th- you never done that, no? <laughs> <laughs> um, never, never the singing softly part, no. Yeah, it's the crying. <laughs> <laughs> so the triage van picks up Leo and Charlie. Charlie decides that they need to stop the assassination on the minister. While her and Leo are talking, a van crashes into them and knocks the triage van on its side. The Nazis kidnap Charlie. Just bust the back door wide open. She was closest to the back door. Perfect. Yeah, it was pretty handy. Mm. If you were watching this from the Nazis' perspective, you'd be like, what good luck. (laughs) (laughs) That's unrealistic. That's (laughs) Get your money, guys. Come on. Joe, I think they were going to spend the money on more tattoos. Maybe yeah. they're going to get a spider to go on that web. So the gang go to save Charlie. We get similar kind of vibes to Anarchy and the Hunting Grounds, where Charlie is brought into the church. The Nazis' flashlight while they're walking up the stairs is blue. And this was the kind of first part of blue light I saw in the film, like blue flowers, blue light. Charlie is strapped onto a kind of a handcart and dressed in nice white robes. So again, she's dressed in white because she's an angel. She's going to be sacrificed. The Nazis leave, and Charlie is left with this horrible, tall, skinny priest who's wearing a blue robe. He looks so ill, doesn't he? Yeah. He's got like his his lips and everything are like white. He looks so different to everyone else in the film that I thought that was a bit heavy-handed as well. And I never really understood why. I didn't understand why the whole time, I don't know, to be honest. No, no, it's as if he should have had more of a part, and he didn't. Well, no, I just think he was supposed to be like easily manipulated kind of guy. You know, he's not well. He's all oh, right. That's how I felt about it. Like, oh, uh, I didn't get that. But yeah, that I makes a bit more like, sense. Easily brainwashed, and he had been brainwashed, and he was kind of suffering as a result of that as well. I just thought he was just a bastard, mm. just a horrible little bastard. 
Um, so Charlie is gagged. So just like at the start of the film where she's gagged, she's gagged again. There's like a beaten and bruised man tied up on a cart next to her. So we go into the church and the NFFA people are like chanting in unison. And I always thought that was creepy in church anyway, to be honest. It's even creepier here. Well, churches are a fucking creepy setting anyway, aren't they? Like, So, shout out to uh, Father Tony Mullins. <laughs> he listens. <laughs> uh, so, so the minister gives a speech to the congregation about how it's their duty to God to rid themselves of their hate and fury. So they are going on about kind of like the original purge values, which we haven't seen too much of in this film. So they still, they still at least are pretending to believe that. Yeah. Um, Dante's men are about to move into the tunnels under the cathedral when Leo and the gang meet up with them. Leo tells them it's no longer an assassination; it's a rescue mission. Which makes more sense. Like they're they were kind of lucky. <laughs> I think you know that she got caught. Um, back in the cathedral, they wheel the bruised man out in front of the congregation. His name is Lawrence. The minister said that he's a lifelong drug addict and wants to make amends. Which is nice of Lawrence to want to make amends. Yeah, Lawrence does not look like he wants to make amends, though. Lawrence looks like he just wants to get the fuck out of there. Well, they all thanked Lawrence for his gift. Which was nice. Oh, yeah. the fucking guy in the front row with the tash. Who was, <laughs> he was one of the founding fathers, but fucking hell, he made me very uneasy. Because he was really into it. He was so into it. Like They were it all like, so into it. There was a woman who was really into it as well. It felt like your woman from the second one was in it. The old woman that he let go. She's um, in the front. I felt like I saw her. I didn't notice her. But maybe. Like that though. <laughs> maybe it was the bloody stranger again. Yeah. Um, so uh, they said, the minister said that they love him. Which is very sweet. Yeah. Uh, the weapons have been cleansed with holy water. But did you see the weapons as well? Like, just all these knives and then a gun. Just yeah. in case it gets out of hand, like, he's tied up, you know? <laughs> and uh, there's blue flowers all over the cathedral. Yeah. So, again, like with the bloody stranger in the first film, they say he's homeless, but we don't. We never know whether he was or not. Yeah, yeah. And same with Lawrence. Do right. we think he's a drug addict, or have they just said that to make them feel less weird about killing him? Exactly, no idea. I don't think it would matter to any of these people anyway. And how would they have found out he's a drug addict? That's true, actually. These people, I don't know, would they care? Like, they were about to kill her. She was not a bad yeah, person. Like, but they hate know? her. Not saying drug addicts are bad people. <laughs> <laughs> or priests, Tony, I'm sorry. <laughs> not you, Tony. Other Tony. <laughs> so, the creepy priest stabs Lawrence while the congregation looks so happy. Like, they're really into it. It's Horrible. But man, like the guy's grinding on his seat, like he's fucking grieving himself. Oh, I remember this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just the creepiest looking man. So the minister unveils that their communal purge will be next, and he brings out Charlie. And the congregation just look like they've been told they're getting a surprise gig by Ed Sheeran. They are like <laughs> starstruck. <laughs> and they all sing on their way up to the altar. Yeah. And um, we see Leo is like taking security out one by one. And he spears a guy down some stairs. That was pretty cool. Gore! Just like Rhino with his. Um... Yeah, full circle. Full circle, man. <laughs> <laughs> You're a Nazi. I'm going to do a Nazi move to you. So, <laughs> Marcos shoots one of the main NFFA guys just as he's trying to slit Charlie's throat. There's a big shootout. Um, they're kind of 
all the NFFA guys either get killed or like run away, and Leo and the lads untie Charlie. So you think, oh great, we're all saved, it's all happy again, but no, Charlie realises that they're still planning to kill the minister and still wants to stop them. It's fucking ridiculous. Um, <laughs> Charlie tells Dante that they, if they do it, they'll be no better than them. But like, Dante's walking past a load of dead bodies, you know, like, they weren't important. It's only this one guy that's yeah, important. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make any fucking sense. Like, so many people have died. Why does this one last guy matter? Yeah. When he's so he's horrible. The, he's the main government guy, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I'd do it. Marco shot, shot the fucking first time yeah. he had a straight between the eyes like nobody. Yeah, yeah. He could have easily have shot the minister, like, if, yeah, if he was going first. It's all about the election, you know? Oh, it's election year. Mm-hmm. It's true. Um, it's hard shit. <laughs> so it seems like he might be the only person left from the NFFA guys. Uh, you saw that fucking priest skull after, didn't you? <laughs> fucking creep. The minister pushes his head up towards Dante's gun and says, Purge me. And Dante doesn't kill him. And this put me off the bloody stranger. He was like, um, <laughs> He was a top lad in my mind. It was, it was, do you know what it was? Reverse psychology worked on him again. Yeah. Kill me. Oh, okay then. No, I won't if you want me to. What's the same? Hoisted by your own petard, is that it? <laughs> yeah, hoisted by his own petard. <laughs> so they go into like this kind of back room where there's like loads of religious statues stored. So maybe like they've replaced all the kind of statues of Jesus with, with like NFFA flags instead because the, the church was covered in them. But, um, so there's about 20 people tied up with duct tape on their mouths. So obviously they were planning on purging them as well. Which is weird that they would have, like, done her and then just had a lot of, like, random people. Do you know? Yeah. It's like, she she was the main event, but not they have already done a few. Oh, no, because the guy was the first purge of night, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, Lawrence. Yeah, so it's like after they had cheering gig, they bring out, like, some random choir. You know, you don't give a fuck about them. You just... You just heard Shape of You and A-Team, you know, you, you're flying high. Um, so the minister's there and he tries to attack them and Leo punches him in the nuts and then Joe fist bumps him. So like the two of them are sniping all film and this, this is the, this is the moment like, oh, you're my kind of guy because you, yeah. you punch one, one guy. Fuck's sake. So lazy. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I was taking a fist bump off bubblegum for anything. But... Yeah. So, like, but you compare their story arc of, like, sniping and then end up being friends. Yeah. With with Leo's one with Callie. Yeah. So, you know, like, that was kind of well built, I felt like. You know, it was kind of, they had a nice <laughs> yeah. relationship. They were fighting. They were trying to better each other, like, whatever. And then they end up being friends. Like, this one's yeah. like, I don't like you for no reason, apparently. Hey, you don't like me because I'm black? I never said that. Um, and then, uh, like, I punched the guy in the balls. Can, can we be friends now? Yeah, cool. We're friends now. Now that you did that. <laughs> Do you know? It's just such a letdown. So, Dante's men and the Nazis have a shootout in the car park. Dante is shot. He sneaks into a car and hot wires it and drives it into some of the Nazis. And then they, like, shoot him and kill him. So, that's the end of our bloody stranger. Mm. He. He died how he liked to live. He had one move left in him, you know. One move left in him. Cover him. Didn't fully cover him. <laughs> Covered him enough to get into the car and drive it, but after that he was on his own, yeah. We first saw him as a bloody stranger, but yeah. I think in the end he was a bloody friend. He was a bloody friend. <laughs> <laughs> 
See, Tony wasn't thinking of any of these jokes because he didn't realize it was him. <laughs> Tony was like, brand new character, what? A new bloody stranger. I like this guy for some reason. <laughs> right, so we get the really fucking tired trope of Leo fighting the Nazi in hand-to-hand combat. This is what happens in like every action film. No matter how much shooting, explosions, car chases happen in an action movie, it always comes down to the main goodie and the main baddie fighting one-on-one, hand-to-hand. Damn right. So Leo kills the Nazi, obviously. <laughs> um, the creepy priest has survived. He slinks back into the room and kills some of the hostages. Him and Joe shoot at each other. But I reckon that's the only reason the hostage was there. But like, you know what? That's like the one time they haven't really done that in any of the purges. Instead of, you know, someone, he's about to shoot and someone's shooting him from the side, he actually just takes a bullet and then shoots. Yeah, yeah. It's the only time they've actually killed a good character like that. You know what I mean? It's the one thing that's different. I actually didn't mind that part. Because I was, the second I saw him put the gun up, I was like, oh, here comes. We did see Shane getting killed, though, or do you not count him as a good character? Yeah, he didn't take the bullet. The door got kicked open and he just got shot. But... The slow motion in this shooting scene is so cringy. Did you notice it? But they do it in most of them, like, <laughs> so now, no? They've done it in, like, all Oh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> you just hate this movie, Mike, you know? I just hate this movie. So we had, we had the trope of Joe dying slowly as he talks to each person in turn. Just, like... Go see my mama, um, Forrest. Mm-hmm. Go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is fucking bad luck. He's the new Sean Bean. <laughs> so we come back on May 26th, two months later, yeah. and we see people voting. We hear that Charlie has already won New York and California. We see Marcos cleaning up at the deli. Holding his breath, man. <laughs> As he hears that breath. she has also won Florida. <laughs> And he smiles because she took his advice by winning Florida. Yeah, yeah. He thinks he helped. <laughs> I thought Marcos was such a fucking generic character. He's hilarious. What's wrong with nice old Marcos, huh? He was nice, generically. Standard nice boy, like. So, like, the love of his life just died. You know, we never got to see him kiss. That's a sad thing. So, Charlie wins the election and says that her first order of business would be ending the purge. Marcos smiles at the American flag waving outside, but as we hear on the news that the NFFA followers are rioting, the flag starts to distort. Yeah. So, the purge might be over, but maybe every day is going to be the purge now. That's it. It's going to take a long time to get things back on track, if they ever would be. Nobody knows, you know? Nobody knows. I suppose we just gotta wait till the next movie. Yeah, right. I hope Marcus. But that one explains shit. Hope Marcus is okay. Oh fuck, Marcos. So, <laughs> so again, we've never seen Cersei since. No. Do you know, and her family. Like, yeah. um, we don't know what happened to Callie and Eva. No. And now, now Marcos, what's gonna happen to him? You know, or what's gonna happen to Charlie and and the end of the purge? And it's like, I would love if they bring out a film at some stage that ties up all these character stories. That'd be amazing. That would be amazing. And it wouldn't be crazy hard to do with either of them. I don't think so, no. No. But yeah, I, I'd like to see what happens to him. Because obviously we've seen what happens to Dante. We've seen his kind of... Although we don't see what happened to him before the start of the first film. Yeah, that's true. That's a story in itself, like. But you imagine that that's what gave him the drive, like, 
to join yeah whatever Carmelo's group like yeah but it would just um it'd be interesting to see the start of that purge night mm. from his perspective or even the whole first film from his perspective and I mean they could literally do it at any stage because it doesn't matter what you age or how you look obviously in the movies <laughs> you know <laughs> Not for him, anyway. No. Um, yeah, we've seen what happens with Leo, but we want to see the rest of these characters. So I loved the like purge violence in Anarchy. Do you know, in the first yeah. film, it was like all like a slow-moving kind of thriller kind of thing. Yeah. And the second film was like big action, like crazy violent movie. And this one, they went like really tacky and theatrical. Like they were trying to top what they did in the last film. And like you saying, Liam, like this is many years later, so maybe that's just the way people have gone. Yeah. It didn't look good, though. It, I don't know. It's like, it's weird how the first and second movie were so different to each other, but then the third movie was just kind of a hyper version of the second movie. Yeah. And and they missed, really, that it, to be fair. Out of the four films, the second and third films are by far the closest. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I haven't seen, I can't remember the fourth one. In terms of quality, I think that this was... They're on the two opposite ends of the spectrum. Uh-huh. Anarchy and this one. Do you know, like, I think that's the best and this is the worst. Yeah. I'm fucking looking forward to seeing how many bloody strangers Mike is this, to be fair. <laughs> so a lot, a lot happened in this film, but not, like, in a good way. It, well, I didn't think it was exciting, particularly. And yeah. there was, like, no likable characters, basically. <laughs> you're supposed to like Joe, but he's just a bit too... Obviously, you're supposed to like him. Joe, they've written him like, oh, come on, you like this guy, don't you? Yeah, I did like him though, so that they got me. Uh, <laughs> Marcos was generic. I, I thought the film was like cheesy and tacky, and he used way too many tropes. I think the other films avoided tropes, and this one just went all in on them. Uh, how much of this film do you think was based on like Trump versus Hillary? Just the genders, like? Or do you, do mean, you think like, so? Well, do you think yeah. that um, James DeMonaco like, secretly thinks Trump is kind of like this NFFA guy? And that Hillary is uh, a sweet angel like Charlie. Well, maybe not Hillary, but maybe he would like if there was someone like Charlie there. Like, yeah, do you know, maybe he loves Hillary. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, I I don't know if he loves her. Could he could think she's a sweet angel? Well, maybe he does. I don't know. Maybe he does. It's not your business, whether yeah, he does. Mind your fucking business, all right? <laughs> <laughs> if Joe and Marco want to have a relationship, they can have a relationship. Okay, <laughs> stop making it weird. Yeah. Stop trying to make it happen. <laughs> so obviously, we see the the whole religious thing. Charlie is a sweet angel. There's also a guy called Angel, <laughs> and the life follows her around. And in the end, she wins, and she is going to stop the purge allegedly. So serious Nazi vibes, obviously, in this. Like there are actual like Nazi people in it with swastika tattoos on her neck. They definitely had, and the flag. Did you notice in the cathedral they were wearing like very Nazi like kind of chains, like yeah, badges, yeah. with like kind of crosses and the the flag of the NFFA have like it's blue, obviously because of the flowers, and it's got like a cross on it and it's got um like the eagle wings, Joe, you know, which is like eagle wings are like that's partially American, isn't it? But it's also partially kind of like Nazi symbolism. Is it? I'd see, I don't know. Fuck all about it. I, I'm, I don't know that much. So I'm probably sound like a bit of an idiot here. But na- Nazi, Nazis generally have wings. I don't know if they're eagles' wings, but there's like... They have uh-huh. wings on their badges and stuff. Okay. Um, but in 2023, the new founding fathers were basically just using the U- US flag. Yeah. And in this, it seems like they kind of changed to this blue flag. So they have kind of... They were really going away from like really being American and more just being 
purge people. And then at the end, obviously, we see the American flag, but it distorts, so we don't know if we're going back. I thought that was kind of cool. The fact that it was like the American flag's back, we're back to like everything being great in USA. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, and then it distorts because we hear about the riots, so it's not fully back yet. And they could probably squeeze another movie out of it. I, I didn't like the film. What do you guys think? <laughs> See, I liked it. I liked it enough. Like, I, I like it a lot less now that you fucking poke every <laughs> hole there is to poke in it. Like, but I don't know. I wasn't enjoyable enough. Fucking. 105 minutes of my life, I didn't hate it, like, easy watch, isn't it? It is, yeah, it is. And, like, yeah, it's very easy watch, because it's basically the second movie again. <laughs> just, just a bit more going on, like. Just with less complex characters? Less complex characters, and, like, scene for scene similar, like, you know, so. Yeah. You can see why this is the last one he directed, maybe. He was like, oh, I've run out already, as that, so. Okay, so he doesn't direct the next one. So he writes the next one, but doesn't direct it. Aha, uh-huh, okay. okay. So, what was your favourite part of the film, both of you? Joe getting killed. <laughs> really? Yeah, one of that, or uh, your woman killing the girl with the shotgun. Okay, which one are you going for? I got your woman killing the girl. Okay. I like that your favourite part was actually a part I left out of my movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't think it was important. <laughs> And Liam? I think it's the same part, but it's it's not when, when Joe gets killed, it's when they kill the priest. That's that's what I like about that scene. <laughs> you know, I was happy to see the baddie die. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, same, same, but different, you know. Okay, so, um, so uh, who was your favourite character? It's hard to pick. It is hard to pick. It's really hard to pick. Um... Yeah, probably Leo. Marcus. <laughs> no, Leo. Yeah, Leo's be Leo. Leo. <laughs> he's just always in control. He knows what's going on. Like He's, he's very likable. So you picked him two movies in a row now? Yeah. My favourite character was Charlie, the senator. Oh, yeah? What's interesting is um the in the first film, the boy was called Charlie. Oh, yeah. Because I just I just realized my favorite character was Charlie, and in the first review, uh, my most wanting to purge character was Charlie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Am I how he's grown, huh? <laughs> That's a glow up if I've ever seen one. <laughs> and so, who is the character you would most like to purge? Priest. Okay, and Tony? Yeah, definitely Candy Lady. I put Candy Lady, but like more the actress than the character. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> she was just doing her job. Like, you know, it got left in. It's clearly what they wanted. Or she just did so much bad. I almost didn't want to pick her because, you know, then she wins or something, you know? Yeah. But yeah, she was just vile. Yeah. She was really horrible. I hated her so much. I didn't notice it being that bad. Like, so. I know it wasn't good, but... And so you want, you thought the priest was more killable than her? Yeah, yeah. The way he skulks off at the end. Like, and he's crazy little look in his eye after he killed Lawrence, the nice Lawrence fellow. Oh my god, I didn't I didn't fucking draw a reference to the fact that she's next to Lawrence. You're like um, Jesus on the cross next to the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely what that was supposed to be like. So, Tony and Liam, what would your rating be for this film? Out of five bloody strangers. One. And Liam? I would go with 2.5 Bloody Strangers. I've given it 1.5 Bloody Strangers. So I, I'm surprised I actually rated it higher than Tony did. 
it was still, you know, it was still the purge. It was still more interesting than like Downton Abbey would be, let's say. But, you know, it was, there was still mad shit going on. Sorry to all our Downton Abbey fans out there. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, but it was fucking so tacky, so cheesy, and they couldn't even fill the, the fridge for the Red Bull. <laughs> Maybe he just sold a lot, like. Oh yeah, didn't they? Well, he should have fucking kept the stock up. <laughs> I'd like to, I'd like to purge Joe for not keeping his stock levels good. <laughs> Fi- final thoughts, lads. Are you excited for the next film? Well, if you, if this was your least favorite, then yeah, I'm looking forward to look seeing the next one because I, I can't remember the next one at all. Like, this is the first purge. Is yeah, the first purge. The first purge. So we're going back in time. Back to win. Oh yeah, we'd know everything now if they'd released this one first. Back to 2013, yeah. is it? 2012. No, we're a bit late. They only took that. over. In, they only took over in 2014, was it? Yeah. So we'll 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 see where what year exactly we're landing like on. 2017, 18, maybe. Um, but so Tony, you haven't seen the next film at all. But Liam, we did see it in the cinema when it came out. Did we? Back when cinemas were a thing, we did. Jesus Christ! And you, it it was your favorite Purge film. Oh really? Oh fuck! I'm excited yeah. now. I completely forgot this. I I really liked it too. It was. Like the first and the second films were so different to each other, the, the fourth film is completely different again. Okay, okay, I'm looking forward to it. And even this film was different enough. It was a bit like a Gerard Butler, you know, the president's going to be killed kind of thing. Or Olympus has fallen or whatever it's called. Yeah, like a shit, a shit version of 24. Yeah. So, um, I guess with that, we better, we better close the old door on the Purge Castle <laughs> and get out of here. So, from me, Big Mike, and the boys... Thanks, bye. Thanks, bye. See you now. Stay safe. Stay safe.